And licensing is an alternative to venturing. And that's why I'm here today. You see, historically, the business model that is being taught at the university level is to start a business. But not everybody wants to start a business. Not every product should become a business. Some people don't have the time, the money, the skill, or even the desire to start a business. So there is an alternative and it's called licensing. You come up with an idea, you show it to a company, they like it, they take it to market for you. What's going on, you guys? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I'm bringing you a book and condensing it down to core golden nuggets. Just trying to save you guys a little bit of time. So I gotta say, I'm so overwhelmed. So overwhelmed and so grateful uh, to each and every single one of you who emailed me, who messaged me, and let me know that you guys like the new feature. It's important to me that you guys like the new feature, the interviews. To me, it's super important because it's something that I'm passionate about. And when I see that passion being enjoyed by others, then it makes it all worth it. So this week, we're talking about the book, One Simple Idea, Turn Your Dreams into a Licensing Goldmine While Letting Others Do the Work. And this book's by Stephen Key. Like I say, every single week, I might bring a book to you that could change your life. This book, One Simple Idea, has changed yours truly. This whole idea of licensing ideas is life-changing. It truly is. And life-changing from the perspective of, hey, you could take an idea, create it, launch it, market it, sell it to companies and get them to license it. That can create a lot of opportunity for you. And that can be your side hustle. Man, that's exciting. But yes, you do have to understand how to create a new product or a new service. Yes, you do need to know how to market it. You do need to know how to sell it. You got to be comfortable with taking out um, a PPA, you know, a provisional patent application. Now, unfortunately, I come with a lot of experience there, so I might overly simplify it. So with this podcast, I kind of want to make some sense out of it and help you guys. If you want to have an idea in terms of, hey, listen, I want to have a side hustle where I'm creating products and services and getting mailbox checks, you know, 5% um, uh, royalty off every single product that I sell. Yeah, I want that. My goal at the end of this podcast is to maybe help you understand that a little bit better, and I hope that I can do that for you guys. So there's a lot of really good gold nuggets from this book. I really enjoyed it. I, I um, Like I said, this book changed my life, you guys. It really did. And just from the perspective of when I created a new product or a new service for a company, that was it. They took it, they marketed it, they sold it. When I did it on my own, you know, I sold it on my own. And I incorporated it into my company. But I never looked at it from the perspective of a licensing opportunity. And that, to me, that's a game changer. And I hope it's a game changer for you as well. So let's crack right into this one. One simple idea. Turn your dreams into a licensing goldmine while letting others do the work by Stephen Key. Golden nugget number one. Find simple and marketable ideas. Now the key here is in finding an idea, creating an idea that's simple. You know, a lot of people when they're coming up with new ideas, they're coming up with complex things, complicated things. And by default, for some reason, we find more value in complexity than we do in simplicity. Now, to me, I'm a minimalist by design, so I like to go to the simple. To me, simple is better. Simple's clear. It's easy to understand. Stephen Key has built a career and a fortune off of very simple ideas. Very simple ideas. 
And so when you're coming up with an idea, it doesn't have to be completely new. Now, one of the biggest things that you can take from the book here is that Stephen Key says that if you're going to create a new idea, don't start by creating a brand new category. Instead, go find a category that already exists and to make an improvement, a small improvement on an already existing product. Now, why is that important? Now, it's important because you got to remember, how are you going to market this thing? Again, the whole idea behind a simple idea is it has to be marketable. How do you market this idea? How do you sell this idea? Well, if you have an idea, a small improvement for something that's already existing, a product that's already existing, if you take this small improvement to the company that's already manufacturing that product, then it's going to be easy for them to buy into it. They're going to say, yes, if you're able to make this product a little bit better, yeah, we're going to be a little bit more interested in that. So let me stop talking in abstracts here and start talking to some more concrete examples. If you like moleskin notebooks and you're like, you know what, these things are great, but if only they had a small slot where in the front of the book you can keep, you know, a couple notes or, you know, a pen, that would be awesome. It's a product that's already existing and you're making that product just a little bit better and you're bringing it to the people who already create that product. The same is true for any other category. Go find a product that already exists and make a small improvement on it. Again, Stephen Key has made a fortune and a career out of making small improvements, one simple idea to an already existing product, and has made a fortune because of it, you guys. Again, we're so enamored with coming up with complex ideas and finding new categories, new products, new services. Why? Do we just like taking the hard route when the easy route's there for us? Let me give you one more example here. Let's say you come up with an idea for a brand new spatula. You know, you're flipping burgers on the barbecue and you come up with this brand new spatula. Who are you going to market that to? Are you going to go sell that to barbecue companies? Chances are they're not going to give a damn about your new spatula. Why? Because they care about barbecues. They don't care about utensils. So number one, know your target. You got to understand who you're selling it to. Are they going to be interested in your product? If you created a product that's within the realm of what they already developed, then yeah, they're going to be interested in it. If they don't create utensils, don't go to a barbecue manufacturer that doesn't create utensils. They're not going to care about that. Go to somebody that creates utensils. That's going to increase your ability to penetrate that that account. It's going to increase your chances of success. So if you create a brand new spatula idea and you're like, hey, I have an idea for a brand new spatula. And you bring it to them. That organization, that company that manufactures spatulas. Yeah, they're going to be way more interested in your idea than if you go to a barbecue manufacturer. So again, a simple idea, a small improvement to an already existing product, and make it marketable. Very simply, if you want to make it marketable, make it relevant to the company you're selling to by making sure your product is something they would be interested in. Make sure it's in line with what they already manufacture, with what they already sell. It's going to make it easier for them to pick it up. So that's the first step. The first step is a very simple idea, a marketable idea. But you might be asking, hey, hold on a second. If I take an idea for moleskin and I bring it to moleskin, they're just going to rip me off. If I come up with a new idea for a spatula and I bring it to a spatula manufacturer, they're just going to rip it off. What are you talking about, Ryan? Yeah, you're absolutely right. They are going to rip it off. However, that's where the next golden nugget comes in. Golden nugget number two. Define your potential buyer. Now, I don't mean potential customer. I mean the organization that's going to take your idea and license it. That's super important. And I'll tell you right now, it's extremely fun to do this. Let's say you're coming up with a new idea for uh, a new microphone filter. You know, a new pop filter, for example. So 
Um, you have this new idea, a new format for it. You know, you've been using one for a while. You don't really like it. You think you got a better idea, so you create an idea. Awesome. First things first, who are you selling this to? Again, you're not selling it to a computer manufacturer. You're selling it to companies who are already producing microphone pop filters, these screen filters. So the first thing you got to do, go online. Find out who's manufacturing these things. Find out the companies that are selling pop filters and make a massive list of every single one of those companies. Every single one of those companies. Make a list of them. Get their phone numbers. Get their email addresses. Get their mailing address. Get the names of the people you need to be contacting. By the way, who should you be contacting? Me personally, I'd be contacting the salespeople. Sales or marketing. And why is that? Well, if you contact the CEO, chances are they're going to be too busy and they're just going to forward you off to somebody else anyways. I don't like talking to the technology person because, again, they're going to be too busy to want to talk to you. Marketing and salespeople, they usually answer their phones. So it's just easier to contact a marketing person or a salesperson. So number one, you want to figure out the companies you want to sell to. And number two, you got to figure out who the marketing person is and who the salesperson is in that organization. Mark them down and go ahead and contact them when you have your new idea. So are you ready to contact them yet? Not yet. Not yet. Before you reach out to anybody, you have to do this first. Golden nugget number three. Protect your idea and then market your idea. So now that you have your idea in place, you have your list of companies and people you're going to contact. Now you pick up the phone and you start marketing it, right? Wrong. Obviously, you have to protect your idea first. So how do you go about doing that? Well, some people, they like to patent their idea. I don't like that idea. I hate that idea, actually. You know, to go out and get a utility patent, I mean, on, on an idea, it's just going to take too much time. You know, and oftentimes it's going to take you two, three, four years even to go ahead and get a utility patent. And all that while, if you're sitting there trying to get a utility patent in place, somebody else could be taking your idea and running with it. And I'll tell you right now, that's a big mistake because the first person to market is going to win. First to market wins. The person who wins the marketplace's mind, the market share. They're going to win because they're going to get it in front of the marketplace first. They're going to get sales. They're going to make money. And you're going to be sitting there holding your patent application saying, but, but I came first. I had the idea first. Yeah, you did, but you didn't bring it to market first. So too bad for you. Now, as harsh as that may sound, that's just the realities of it. So what do you do? Instead of getting a utility patent, again, which could take a few years to achieve, you get what's called a PPA, a provisional patent application. Your provisional patent application will protect your idea for a total of one whole year, 365 days. So you go ahead and you get this PPA when you're ready to take your idea to market and you say patent pending on your idea. Done. Simple. And getting a provisional patent application isn't going to cost you thousands and thousands of dollars like getting a utility patent would. Guess what? It's only going to cost you about $65 to get a PPA. 65 bucks. Yeah, I think you can afford that. And it's going to protect your idea for a full year. Yeah, sign me up to that. Absolutely. Huge, huge value in that. Huge value. And the application process itself doesn't take that long either. It's very quick. So you might be asking, why don't people do this? The reason why people don't do this is because they just don't know. They just don't know. Everyone thinks you have to get a utility patent. You know, they, they watch Shark Tank and they think, oh, everyone has a patent on it, so I must get a patent. Well, get a provisional patent on it. Very simple. So once you have that provisional patent in place, your idea is protected. It's patent pending. You know, you have that patent protection for a full year. What do you do? Now you market your idea. Now, this is so key. 
What you need to do first is you need to create what's called a marketing one sheet. You got to promote your idea, your concept on one sheet of paper, an eight and a half by 11. Have some images of your product. You know, go to a designer, go to a graphic designer and get them to create your product if you don't have an actual product in place and you just drew it out. Let's just say you have an idea in mind and you drew it on a piece of paper. Go to a designer, get them to turn that into a 3D rendering, put some color on it, put a background on it and then have that in a marketing one sheet. Next, what I want you to do is I want you to come up with a problem statement. You know, what problem is the marketplace currently facing? And then what I want you to do is I want you to create a promise statement. It's a big benefit statement, a benefit that addresses that problem. So again, if your problem is, um, let's just say, we're going to use a stupid example here, but let's just say your problem is uh, blueberry muffins. You know, blueberry muffins don't have enough flavor in them. Okay, your promise now to that problem, your benefit is get four times as much blueberry flavor in these new blueberry muffins. Right, it's a big statement. It's going to attract attention. It's going to have a good hook to it. That's what you want to get out of your benefit statement. Very easy. Then after that, you might want to have just a little bit of verbiage in terms of how you're able to back up that promise. You know, how am I able to get four times more blueberries? How am I able to get four times more flavor in my blueberry muffins? Well, the, your, your proof statement, your statement in terms of how you're going to prove that statement out, well, it's very simple for a blueberry example. I'm going to put four times as many blueberries in it. Done. For you, it might be a little bit more complex. The key here, though, is keeping it succinct. You don't want to bore the person that's reading that. You want to be short. You want to be succinct. You want to keep it simple. Again, one simple idea. That doesn't, even, that doesn't just mean your concept itself. It means your marketing as well, too. Keep it simple. Very simple. So now you have your idea protected. You have your marketing one sheet. Again, we have some graphics. You have the problem. You have the promise or the benefit statement that addresses that problem. And you have the proof in place that says how you're going to back up that promise. Your proof statement pretty much just says how you're going to do that. If you're going to make a big promise and say four times as much flavor, then you got to tell me how you're going to do that. Very simply. Otherwise, I'm going to be skeptical. If I'm skeptical, I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to buy into your idea. So make it very simple for me to understand. So there you go. There's how you protect your idea. And then there's a very simple way to how to market your idea. Next, we're going to talk about how to actually sell this idea to a company. Golden nugget number four, how to sell your idea. Now this here, there's no magic here. Absolutely no magic. All the golden nuggets that I've shared with you guys previously in other episodes of Cut the Crap podcast, where I talk about the importance of cold calling and the importance of selling your idea. This is where you can put all of that into practice. Because now that you have your list, you have your marketing sheet, now you just got to pick up the phone. You're ready. Your idea is protected. Pick up the phone. Call these people and pitch your idea. Come up with a very brief pitch. You know, for example, hi, my name is Ryan Caligiuri and I'm a product inventor and I've come up with a great idea that I think might be applicable to your audience, to your customers, and I think you might be interested in it. Do you have 15 minutes you can give me where I can present this idea to you? If you put that pitch in front of people, chances are they're going to be fairly interested and they're going to give you the 15 minutes. Again, basics of cold calling. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to sell them the product? No, you're not trying to sell them the product. You're trying to sell the time. Sell the time on the call. You're just trying to get somebody's time. And it's 15 minutes. It's a small investment of their time. So very simply, once you get that 15 minutes, book that meeting. Figure out a time that works. It's best to do it face-to-face, but if you can't do it face-to-face in person, then do it over Skype. Go to meeting or join me. Whatever you can do, try to do it face-to-face. So now once you have that meeting, what do you do? Now this is your opportunity to pitch them the idea. Give them the marketing sheet before the meeting. It gives them an opportunity to read it. Let it sink in. What is it that you're actually bringing to them? 
and then present the idea. Tell them the problem. Tell them the promise that solves the problem. Tell them the proof in terms of how you're going to back up that promise. Then ask them, what do you think about the idea? And they're going to give you some feedback. And they're going to have to take this back. They're going to take the idea back. They're not going to tell you, yeah, we like it. We're going to license it right away. What do we need to do to move forward? They're not going to do that to you. It's not going to work that way. And they're going to take two, three, four weeks on their end just to move it up the chain in their organization. So this means you have to exercise patience. It's not going to be a fast game. And if it's a fast game and they come to you and they're like, yeah, what do we have to do to move this forward? And they want to move on it like immediately. Slow it down a little bit. Don't just rush into these things. Take some time. Think about it. Don't make emotional decisions. You know, when somebody, you have an idea and you bring it to somebody, they say, yeah, we like it. We want to license it. What do we have to do to move forward? You know, chances are most of you are just going to be jumping for joy and saying, yeah, I want to move forward on this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. No. Slow down a little bit. Take your time. Think logically about it. Okay, let's move forward. Yes, absolutely. What do we have to do to move forward? And that's when you get into negotiating. I'll touch on that a little bit in this last golden nugget. Last but not least, golden nugget number five, negotiating your deal. Now, negotiating your deal is tough. Negotiating in general is tough. Whether you're negotiating a licensing deal or just a sales contract and price, negotiation is always going to be hard. And the purpose of this golden nugget isn't to tell you how to negotiate like a champion. I mean, there's books on that that I'll do in future episodes of Cut the Crap Podcast. So for this golden nugget, I maybe want to get a few things out to you that's really important when you start to negotiate a licensing contract. First and foremost, you don't need a lawyer. I'll tell you that right now. An expert like Stephen Key, even he recommends that you do your own negotiating. Now, what you might want to do here is you might want to get a mentor. You might want to find somebody who's an expert at negotiating and you might want to ask them for some advice to help you through the process of negotiating if you're not comfortable with that. It's very important, especially just to keep your emotions in check. You know, you get that deal in place and they send you an offer and all of a sudden you're just flying up. You're super excited, hands flying up. You're jacked. You just want to get this thing going. You want to sign it. You want to move forward. You want to start making money. No, you got to slow down. You got to be logical. You got to take your time. Don't rush into things. And if your partner, if your vendor, if the manufacturer, if they want to rush into things, that's a red flag. You want to slow things down. You want to ask a lot of questions. You know, stop. Start asking them some questions. Ask them about distribution. Ask them about exclusivity. Ask them about territories. Ask them what their plan is for sales. Ask them how they're going to be marketing it. Ask a lot of questions. Because in any negotiating, any negotiating, not just licensing deals, but negotiating in general, the one who has the most information wins. So be very careful about what kind of information you divulge and be very cognizant of the kinds of information you get from people. Record your conversations. Take copious notes. The more information you have, the better. Now, I want to talk a little bit about royalties here because this is really funny and something that I think screws up a lot of people. When you're going into things, uh, well, let me take a step back for a second. When you watch Shark Tank, for example, and you see Kevin O'Leary say, hey, you have this idea. Why are you making a product out of it? Why don't you go and license it to a company for 3%? And they kind of scoff at Kevin O'Leary and they say, are you kidding me? I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this idea. And for me to get 3%, it's ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. You know, you might get anywhere between 1% and 5% of that. In very rare cases, Stephen Key has seen it go above 5%, but got to get your expectations in check. You're not going to get 10, 15, 20, 25, 30%. It's just not going to happen. So get your expectations in check. And you might be saying, well, why, why, why would I give up this concept for 5%? Why would I give up my idea for 5%? Well, it's very simple. 
They're taking all the risk. They're taking all the risk in manufacturing this idea, marketing this idea, selling this idea, putting time, effort, energy, investment behind this idea. They're taking all the risk. And what are you doing? You just put an idea in front of them. They took your idea and they're running with it. If they make money with it, then hey, you're getting mailbox checks. Fantastic. Love it. So of course they're going to ask for a greater percentage. They're the one that's taking on the most risk. You understand? I mean, it just makes sense. You can't be mad at them for that. So you just got to get that in check. Now, on that same note of a royalty, something that inventors do, product developers do, that really screws up a deal and oftentimes can kill a deal is they want to top load it. And by top loading it, I mean they want an advance. They want an advance against royalties. And what that means is they just want to lump sum of money up front for their idea. Chances are you're not going to get an upfront lump sum payment. It's just not going to happen. And if you demand it, and a lot of people demand this, it's going to kill the deal. It goes to show maybe just how unreasonable you are and how you don't quite understand how this game works. So there's a lot that you can take away from this from a negotiating perspective. Like I said, if you're not good at negotiating, you might want to bring somebody in who can negotiate on your behalf or help coach you along the way. You know, somebody who might want to read over your emails, read over the contracts, provide you with guidance on the next steps in terms of, hey, this is the next move you should make. Because negotiation is like a chess game. You can see the move they make and you can ask your mentor for help in terms of what move you should make first and how it's going to position you for the next play. When it comes to negotiating, negotiation is just tough. It's just tough overall. So if you can get a mentor, somebody who can come with you, who can make suggestions on the next moves you make, who can help coach you in terms of, hey, this is what maybe you should say next. This is the next kind of question you should ask. This is the next way you should position your move. That might help you a lot. So get a mentor. Be patient. Don't forget to ask a lot of questions. Get your expectations in check in terms of what kind of royalty you want. Never ask for an advance against royalties. And again, remember, the person with the most information oftentimes wins. All right, my friends, there we have it. That's one simple idea. Turn your dreams into a licensing goldmine while letting others do the work by Stephen Key. Thank God we finished this episode up in time. I am losing my voice and I have so many interviews to conduct this week, so I don't want to lose it anymore. Uh, I really like this book. Really like this book. And I told you at the very beginning that it changed my life. That's my goal with this podcast, is to bring a book to you that changes your life. Maybe this one is for you. The reason this changed my life is because my side hustle has always been consulting. Well, my side hustle can also be licensing products. Lord, I have different concepts, different ideas. I'm a creative individual and I have the innovation experience in terms of how to create new ideas all the time. And so for me, being able to license that instead of turning that into a company is very attractive to me. And perhaps it can be something that's very attractive to you as well. So if you guys are interested in learning more about how to license products, how to create new products, you might want to go ahead and pick up this book. It's a very easy read. It's in-depth. And I really enjoyed the read. I really enjoyed the book. Um, so definitely go out and support Stephen Key. Pick up one simple idea. If you guys liked this breakdown, the golden nuggets from this, then please go on to iTunes. Support me with the rating and review. It would mean a lot to me as well. If you guys have any comments, please feel free to reach out to me. You guys can email me through the website, cutthecrappodcast.com, or you guys can reach out to me on social media. 
My friends, we have the interview with Stephen Key coming up on Wednesday. You don't want to miss that. We had great energy, great chemistry. I love this guy. Really, really love him, and I can't wait to work with him in the future. He's a great guy. You guys got to tune into this one. I'll catch you back here on Wednesday when I have the interview with none other than Stephen Key, the author of One Simple Idea. But until then, my friends, enjoy the day. Have a productive day, and I'll catch you back here on Wednesday. I love you guys. Take a drink with your friends, and somebody says, Yeah, we should go skydiving tomorrow. And you go, Yeah, we'll go skydiving tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And you go, Yeah. And everybody goes, Yeah. So then that night, you're laying in your bed and you just keep, <laughs> and you're terrified. You keep imagining over and over again jumping out of an airplane, and you can't figure out why you would do that. You wake up the next day and you go, you know, down and you say where you were going to meet, and everybody's there. So you get in the van. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And your stomach is terrible. You can't eat and everything, but you don't want to be the only punk who doesn't jump out of this airplane. So you fly and you go up, you go up, you go up, you go up to 14,000 feet and somebody opens the door. And in that moment, you realize you've never been in a freaking airplane with the door open. And you're looking out down to death. And they say, on three. And they say, one. Two, and he pushes you on two because people grab on three. And you go, and you fall out of the airplane. And in one second, you realize that it's the most blissful experience of your life. You're flying. There's zero fear. You realize that the point of maximum danger is the point of minimum fear. It's bliss. Why were you scared in your bed the night before? Why did you, what do you need that fear for? Everything up to the stepping out, there's actually no reason to be scared. It only just ruins your day. The best things in life on the other side of terror, on the other side of your maximum fear are all of the best things in life.